Welcome to the Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Williams. If you want to follow the podcast on Facebook, do a search on Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone and the Facebook page will pop right up. If you want to follow the podcast on X, True Social, and Gitter, search for at RKY Freedom. That's at RKY Freedom. Also, this podcast now has a hashtag called RKY Freedom. Therefore, if you want to comment on something I had said during this podcast or written about on social media, use the hashtag RKY Freedom. If you have a suggestion or think I should interview a guest, then email me, Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone at protonmail.com. That's Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone at P R O T O N M A I L.com. Thank you for listening to the Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone podcast. This time, the tables have turned. If you really want to understand this episode, you need to go back to episode 36, My Christmas Story. Cheryl Olson, who has been a previous guest on the podcast, interviewed me on this episode of the Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone podcast. Find out how I resolved a lot of concerns from the time I was 13, 14 to the present. Also, you'll get to find out if my niece Jessica and I are still close today. That's a very interesting answer. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. If you are looking for a fun, quirky, mystery, family-friendly adventure, then The World Maker's Assistant may be the book for you. Set in another galaxy, it will have you wondering why Play-Doh, paint, and glue are some of the ingredients on a beloved baking show who's piloting the elusive planet-destroying ship, and if V, the main character, will find her place in the galaxy. If this is your kind of story, visit Amazon.com or OlympiaPublished.com and search for The World Maker's Assistant by Cheryl Olson. Folks, I've read this book and found it very addicting. As a matter of fact, I didn't want to put it down. And you know what? I'd much rather have my teenage or young adult son or daughter read a book like this than a lot of other books out there. So go check out The World Maker's Assistant on Amazon.com or OlympiaPublished.com today. Well, Cheryl, it's great to have you on the podcast. This is a first for me because I have never had the tables turned before, but there's a first time for everything to quote a country song, isn't there? Yes, there is. (laughs) Yeah. Are you there? Yeah, hang on. I got to turn off. I got to turn on airplane mode. Hang on with my phone. Okay. Okay. Okay, that part will be edited out. So, uh, yeah. So, Cheryl, uh, any question that you want to ask me? Uh, look, let's go ahead. This will be okay. quite fascinating. Yes. So, I'm very interested. It was a very interesting process um, going through your story and getting to know you a little bit better through your story. But I do have questions. Yes. Um, one question I have is early on in the story, you referred to um, feelings that you had from you felt God was preparing you um, for the news that your father had lost his job. And, um, and then later on your father and actually pulled you aside and said, Hey, we, 
we need your help. We know that you are more in tune with Heavenly Father. Um, thus, we need your help praying for us and and whatnot. But I was, I'm curious because you you are blind, and I'm wondering if that, um, because of that, you have an extra sensitivity to the Holy Ghost and the Spirit that maybe most other people do not have. I really don't know. I haven't thought much about it. I've been told this, but I just keep wondering, you know, if I'm, I don't know. I'll tell you what's annoying, and I know that it comes from a good place. This has nothing to do with my dad. I remember back in 2001, I was talking to a girl on the Internet. Now, this is back before Internet dating was cool. This is, this is back in the days when if you said, oh, I'm meeting someone off the Internet, people would cringe, particularly my parents. Uh, in some ways, probably rightfully so. I mean, I mean, it was a new thing. You never know who you're going to meet off the Internet. You know, I took a gamble. But uh, some of us didn't because we were enamored by Internet dating. But I met this girl. Uh, she came down to see me. And... After the event was over, after we spent the weekend together, she went back home and called her folks and told her what happened. And her mom's, you know, she found out that I was blind and her mom said, oh, he's probably more spiritual than the rest of us. And I was annoyed because if that were true, then I wouldn't be swearing that much. I'll admit I swear quite a bit. My computer doesn't work. My technology doesn't work. Uh, you know, if I was that much of a spiritual giant, I wouldn't be doing that, would I? Uh, I don't know. I, I wonder. I, it's hard to say because I know there's sight of people that are close to the spirit, too. I, I try not to think about it because it would drive me crazy, honestly. Okay. <laughs> I, I know that's <laughs> a weird answer. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, I know it's, it's, our perceptions of ourselves are often very different from what other people's perceptions of us are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was just curious. So it's interesting to hear how you yeah. feel about that. Um, okay. I have another question. Yep. So in this story and this, this could be opening a can of worms. We'll see. But um, in the story, there's, a couple of actually several times where you talk about experiences with your family, um, being more judgmental and, um, towards, towards other people who are different and how it affected your feelings towards your religion and not necessarily towards God, but towards the, the church that you go to and worship at, because you felt like the things that they were judging other people on, you shouldn't be judging them. You should be loving them instead and trying to help them. And so I'm wondering if you have been able to at any point come to terms with, um, with your religion and with your beliefs um, because it wasn't addressed in your story. Yes. That's a long answer, but I'll give it to you. Uh, you know, I've always been known to have friends that a lot of my family wouldn't give the time of day to, even to this day. And I even had friends in high school, one in particular, I probably had a few, but the one in particular that smoked weed. 
And it kind of got to the point where I was still friends with him, but I wouldn't hang around him while he was smoking weed because I wasn't a smoker, number one. And number two, I felt like I was covering for him and I got tired of it. But I was still friends, so I guess in that respect, I've come to terms somewhat, be just in the sense of, oh, so-and-so's, you know, smoke or drink or whatever, be careful or whatever. I But I guess what I really come to terms with, though, is not everybody's like that in the church. Matter of fact, uh, and in some ways this is bad, in some ways it's good. I find members of the church, and I'm sure you have too, have become a lot more liberal, which in some cases is very bad. Mm -hmm. uh, in some cases, good, depending on circumstances. But what changed is I, you know, when I was in Boise, my folks were so strict about who I could be friends with. I wasn't allowed to date people who were not of our church, which I thought was ridiculous. I still think it's ridiculous, you know, because here we are talking about missionary work. Well, when we put those restrictions on our kids, then we just encourage behavior of, oh, let's only hang out with our church family then. You know, that's ridiculous. Unless you're in some real anti-government compound or some secluded area where you're trying everything you can to seclude your kids from the world, which doesn't work in the long run. Uh, but when I moved to Utah uh, from Boise, I had a bishop that was very, I thought was a very accepting individual. And one of the things that he did Something came up in a meeting that I was in. So the bishop got up and said, I read an article about garage door openers and how they're affecting us church members and how we just push the button, go into our garage and shut the door, get inside and do our own thing. And then I had conversations with the bishop. I had some real questions about, well, even the church for that matter, and surprisingly enough, he said, I like how you question things. And I thought, really? I thought he was going to tear me apart. But because I had a good relationship with him, I realized not every church member is like my family. And to some extent, now that I'm older, I can see where my family was coming from in the sense of, oh, so-and-so is a smoker or whatever. Not that we should be judging them. I still, uh, I, I, I've had friends that were smokers. They were just fine to me, but I get it. You know, I think they were worried that I might be taken advantage of, or they might try to get me to smoke in high school, which I never did. But, uh, yeah, I just come to terms. Not everybody's like that in our church. And, you know, it's an, I guess it we're, it's an ongoing learning thing. I, I know that's a wordy answer. No, that's, um, that's totally fine. I, but it leads me to ask another question. Yeah. So, um, how knowing all these things and your experiences in your faith and your religion and with your family, how does that influence your, your view of God, who he is? I don't know that it actually did. Um, 
I've always known that God was a loving God. Now, God is firm. A lot of people say God is loving. Well, yeah, but people forget God is firm. God's not God. going to allow somebody to push him over. You know, uh, Jesus Christ turned the tables over in the temple. Why? Because he was angry. Now, that doesn't give me the license to go out and really tear somebody apart just because I'm angry at them. But what it shows me is God is loving, but he's also going to be firm. He's going to say, you know, he's going to give you a warning, whether it's through a dream or through actions, saying you better knock this off or else bad consequences are going to come. And when that happens, that's kind of a, tells me God's willing to give you a chance, but he's also going to warn you, don't do this or else. Um, so that influence, you know, when I thought of it in those terms, God is all about talking to you, giving you warnings. Uh, but it's going to be up to the individual. I guess that's how it kind of reconciled. You know, God is a God who will warn you, but the choice is still up to you, the individual. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I, I think... From what you're saying, I'm gathering that it's all about it's all about finding that balance between yeah. um like knowing who God is and knowing who you are and realizing yeah. how he interacts with us as individuals. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Are you ready for the next question? Yeah, go ahead. And by the way, if oh. you have any more questions, uh you know, if I ask something and it leads into another question that you thought of, you can ask that as well. So, yeah, go ahead. Okay. So this is also um, related to your family. So I guess it just leads into this next question. Um, do you feel like your relationship with your family has gotten better? Um, it didn't seem like you had a horrible relationship with your family, but it did seem like there were places where you just, you, you didn't all agree and um, you didn't necessarily care for some of their beliefs that they had about other people. I think it's gotten better in the sense that we can talk about things um, when it comes to certain issues, certain political beliefs that I have and whatnot. I try to stay away from those um, simply because of the fact that my folks think that my politics are a little extreme in some cases, but as far as talking to each other, keeping in touch, yes, definitely things have gotten better in that department. Yes. Oh, good. That uh, is good. Yeah. Um, what about you and Jessica? I loved reading all of the, um, all of the, the parts where she was in your story and just hearing about the really close relationship that you had with her when she was younger. Sadly enough, we're not as close as we used to be, but it has nothing to do with hard feelings. Just life has gotten in the way. Mm -hmm. However, having said that, when I'm around Jessica, now mind you, she's 31 years old now, so a lot of time okay. has passed. Between that and 1993-94. But when I'm around her and I, you know, grab onto her arm to have me lead, you know, to go somewhere, believe it or not, 
31 years later, 29 years later in some cases, whenever I grab onto her arm or she'll touch my hand or something, I will still feel the same spirit from her that I felt 29 years ago after all that time has passed. That is really neat. It is. That is really cool. So that yeah. that still connection is still there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's cool. But she doesn't yeah. pull your hair anymore, does she? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Nope. Um, okay. So what do you think now? What do you think of now when you think of Christmas? Um, because the whole, your whole theme of the story was how mm. you, you know, Christmas before, um, before 1993 was, I take it your family, you know, the gifts and the food and the presents. And it was just a really kind of carefree, fun, wonderful time. And then you went through this really hard Christmas where things weren't as carefree and things were harder and you were financially strapped and there was a lot of stress. And, um, you came out of that and Christmas wasn't the same for you anymore. And so I'm wondering what your feelings now are about Christmas, how, how they changed and how they've continued to change over the, over the years and where you are now with your view of Christmas and what it means. Oh yeah. Christmas is well back then. Yeah, you're right. Christmas is all about presents, all about a fun, carefree time. I remember the Christmas of 92, We, I had some great gifts. I had the best boombox ever, still to this day, the best boombox ever. Even <laughs> though it did not have a CD player in it, it was the best boombox ever because it had phenomenal AM and FM reception. I didn't realize how good it was till I moved to Salt Lake and started trying to get obscure radio stations or far away stations, how good it was. Um, much better than the CD rate, the CD player that I got with the radio in it. But yeah, it was all about the presence. In fact, that Christmas of 92, I didn't just get great gifts. I remember my, me, my brother, my brother-in-laws went and played basketball. We had Christmas dinner, went and saw home alone too. It was all about the CB radio that I had. Yeah. And then, yeah, here comes Christmas in 93. It sucked. Um, but, wow, what, what Christmas meant to me after 94 or uh, after 93, really, and I've thought about this a lot. I don't know why, but it just tugged at my emotions when uh, Jessica and my nephew Scott opened their presents. I don't know. It just tugged at my emotions it wasn't i wasn't expecting it i don't know if you had the same with your daughter when she opened her presents or what but yeah so christmas went more to me as far you know now christmas just means being able to spend time with friends and family a few gifts here and there but quite frankly uh I think uh, as much as I enjoy getting presents and whatnot, I don't want to downplay that, but I I think just spending time with friends and family on Christmas is good enough, quite honestly. Uh, some people say, sorry, I didn't get you a good gift. I don't care. You're here. I love that. I think um, that is so cool because we – 
with our family, we have our eight-year-old daughter. She's our only child. And um, ever since she she was born, I've really tried to make the focus of Christmas not about gifts, but about um, about our Savior and His life and um, loving and caring about other people. And um, we we don't give a lot of gifts in our family, yeah. and we don't we don't get a lot of gifts either. But we have that family time, and we have that that focus on where Christmas comes from and who it's really about. And it really, it really does make things so much more meaningful and more special, especially when you realize that um, you'll always have your family, but things, things can decay. They can get lost. They get broken. They get thrown away. But, but family is always there. Even if relationships are hard, um, they can still be worked through and, better relationships can be developed. Oh, yes. Like I said, there's things that I don't talk about with my family. When it comes to certain people, I just prefer not to go there. But, yeah, you're right. Um, that That's what you said is true. I, I think it's really cool that you – I'm sure you give your daughter a present here or there Christmas, but you don't make it the full focus. You focus more on the Savior. That's great. Yeah, yeah. It's it's fun. She still gets gifts like yeah. and stuff, things that are um useful. We give yeah. useful gifts. <laughs> yeah. Um Okay, earlier you were talking about this radio, this boom box that you got. Oh yeah. And that was awesome because it leads to my next question, which um all throughout your story, it it was fun to to read and to hear about all these different radio stations you listen to and um, what a big part of your life the radio has been. And I would like to know how really how that has influenced you and brought you to where you are now as um, someone who is in broadcasting. You know, I've never thought about how the radio influenced my life. Um, other than this, when I was nine years old, I went to a radio station in Oregon in a small town that I lived in. And the thing that caught me by surprise was when the person opened up the mic and started talking, he sounded completely different than just him and I talking in person. And so I thought, oh, if I'm you know, going to get into radio, I need to sharpen up my voice a little bit and sound more professional, which is hard to do at the age of nine, but I must have done okay because a lot of people think I have a radio voice. I don't know if it came natural or I don't know if I worked on it because of that incident I observed with the guy that was giving me a tour of the radio station in a small town in Oregon. And I was there when he was giving the weather forecast live on the air on uh, at nighttime. Just really hit me. I'm going to really have to work on my voice if I'm going to get into this business. And so when I started playing radio in front of my parents, grandparents, whatever, I just worked on it. And I, I don't know if that's why I have the voice I have. That's probably the best way that it's influenced me. Maybe... It's probably influenced me in ways, too, of my thinking politically. 
although my parents were certainly an influence there too, but certainly listening to folks like Rush Limbaugh, G. Gordon Liddy, Ken Hamblin, and a lot of the older talk shows definitely influenced my pol political views uh, as well. Now, I didn't take every word they said for granted. I went through my own political thoughts, but I, yeah, those folks influenced me a great deal. So the radio probably influenced my political views, probably, uh, probably influenced how I talked to people too, because I remember when I was 13 and 14, I used to call radio stations. This is in the days when we had actually live jocks. Now it's all recorded, except for maybe the morning shows. But even then, they might be recorded. But ba back in the day, most, and I emphasize the word most because there were exceptions, most radio stations had disc jockeys 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So I'd call them and ask them a lot of questions about the radio and why radio stations did certain things. And when they found out I was 13 or 14, they had a hard time believing me because I knew so much about the industry and asked a lot of questions. I even heard a recording of myself when I was 14. I heard a, that recording I played back in 2014, I believe is what it was. And the person with me thought I was using, thought I was talking in different patterns than I would have at 13 or something. So it's probably influenced the way I've talked and thought, too. That is really interesting. Um, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, okay. So I have one last question for you. Yep. Um, I... I'm curious as to um, your reasoning for writing this story and wanting to share it. Um, I, I think part of it, I feel like I understand part of it. Like you, you had thoughts and feelings that you wanted to, that you wanted to share with others, but what is the why and the reason behind that? Well, that's a good question. The reason I wrote it, there's a few reasons. Number one, I got the idea of writing this Christmas story from another podcaster. And I thought, well, instead of just talking about the worst Christmas, why don't I make a story about it? But it ended up becoming, I want to be understood by people, especially my family. I still, to this day, feel very misunderstood by family members. Whereas if they ever read this story, I don't know if they ever will, but if they did, they well, I would hope that they would think, oh, I understand my brother better now. Uh, that's the, it's turned in, it started as one thing and turned into another. Um, I, so going along with that, sorry, that brought a lot of, a lot more questions to my mind. I have to, yeah, coordinate. Go ahead. um, do you feel like, the, the misunderstanding you feel from your family, do you feel like it comes from personality or um, do you feel like um, it comes from your ability to see things differently because, because of your blindness? And I, I don't mean that in a, um, a negative or derogatory. I think it's way. both. Um, I, 
I've noticed since, um, since getting to know you better and listening to your podcast, you have a very unique way of looking at the world. Like you see things that, that most people don't see and you pick up on things that most people don't pick up on. And I, I believe it enables you or gives you the ability to have a clearer view of human nature than most people do. And um, which is probably why throughout your story, you're noticing all these things that kids your age wouldn't have noticed normally about the way that your family was treating other people and the way that maybe other people are treating you. And um, I wondering if that comes into play with, with those feelings of being misunderstood. Yeah, I think a lot of it is, and uh, a lot of it's the personalities, too. But, yeah, the blindness is certainly a factor. Yeah, in fact, you know, I've heard it said, I'm just being general here. This isn't necessarily family members. It's like, oh, well, well, I can pick up on visual cues. You can't pick up on it, therefore you miss 80% of the communication. Well, maybe, but I can certainly tell by someone's tone of voice or somebody's previous previous actions. I've been in situations where I've felt very strongly, stay away from this person, or if you're going to talk to this person, keep that individual at arm's length, or better yet, just stay away from that person. So just because I miss 80% of the communication doesn't necessarily, I mean, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I'm sure it helps the visual cues, uh, but that doesn't necessarily make or break a relationship I have with that person either. Or it mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean I don't have discernment, the ability to recognize something. Now, am I right all the time? No, because I'm human. But, uh, yeah, that, I, I, I think to answer your question, though, it's both personality and blindness. Okay. Thank you. Um, I know that could have been a, um, a tricky question. So I'm grateful for your honesty and your candor. And I personally, I, I really, um, I really enjoy listening to you and hearing your views. Because I, because I really do feel that you have that extra sense that a lot of other people don't have. So I wouldn't shortchange yourself there <laughs> about missing 80% of what's going on because um, just because you, you know, you can see something visually, I, I think there's a lot more important ways of discerning and sensing people than just, just by seeing them because everything else that most everything that goes on is inside a person's heart and a person's soul. And you can't see it, but you can feel it. And um, I think you have a gift for being able to feel those things where most of us struggle because we haven't, we have this crutch that we, you know, we have our sight, which is kind of like a crutch for us to lean on rather than, than actually reaching out and trying to really feel who that person is. Yeah. It's going to be tricky sometimes, whether you're blind or not. Yeah, I agree there. Yeah. Yep. Well, those were all of my questions. Did you have anything that you want to add or say? Do you feel like I missed anything that um, that you wanted to share about your story? 
Yeah. Um, for those that uh, know me well, I had a very good relationship with my dad, particularly, I would say, from the time I was 11 till 13 and a half, probably even more so at the age of 12 than 11. And things got in the way. I don't want to get into it too much out here, but things got in the way. And for many years, I would say from the time I was 13 and a half, probably up until probably 30, 31, I, you know, I hate to say this, but I, I the respect for my dad wasn't there like it was when I was younger. And we often argued a lot, especially when my mom passed away. But I feel that from the time I was about 31 up until my dad passing away, I understood him better. And my dad and I got to become pretty good friends. Now, that doesn't mean I agreed with everything that he did. Of course not. But I understood him better, and I felt like we we had more open communication with each other. That's good. That's good to know. Yeah. That, I, I think that's why I was at peace when he passed away. That's good. And, well, that's what life's really about, right? Figuring yeah. out our relationships and how to work through them. Yeah. And how to how to get along with people, yeah. <laughs> which is, is the easiest. I can honestly tell you, my dad and I got to be good friends, which I never thought would happen, ever. It's amazing what open communication and an open heart can do. Yeah. Relationships. Uh, again, I don't agree with everything that he did. Um, certainly there's things I would have done differently or things I think he should have done differently, but I think we came to an understanding. And I, I think Looking back, he would tell you he regretted certain things. In fact, I know he would. I'm glad that you I'm glad that you and your dad were able to come to that understanding. That's a huge blessing. It is. That's a really big blessing. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you would like to add? Nope. Any other okay. questions you want to ask me? <laughs> I I I feel like I asked you a lot of questions. Yeah. Uh, and you answered all of them really well, and I I don't have any more right now. All right. Well, thanks very much for the interview, Cheryl. Yeah. Thank you for allowing me to do it. I've never done it before, so it was a good experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I've never done it before. <laughs> well, we'll talk to you all later, folks. Thank you for listening to the Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone podcast. If you'd like to follow the podcast on Facebook, just do a search on Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone and the Facebook page will pop right up. If you want to follow the podcast on X, Gitter, and True Social, just do a search for at RKY Freedom Zone. That's at RKY Freedom Zone. Don't forget to use our new hashtag when commenting on a podcast that I have put up or something that I've written on social media. Just use hashtag RKY Freedom. That's hashtag RKY Freedom. If you'd like to make a suggestion for the podcast, or perhaps you have a guest you think I should interview, please email me Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone at protonmail.com. That's Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone at P R O T O N M A I L.com. I'm Kevin Williams, and thanks for listening to the Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone podcast.